everyone. Good to be here. The more, con the, the more confident, I'm, I'm feeling more confident now compared to a few months ago. The more confident I feel, the more I need to pray that I depend on God. Let's pray. Dear God, we pray for your Holy Spirit. Bring your word into our hearts that we may know the power of God that raised Jesus is the same power that raised us from our sin and our shame. Thank you, God. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. I thought I better explain my hair. I think it's a bit short, yeah. I told the hairdresser, I said, very long like my hair. Then she said, what do you want? I said, short, short. Then she said, oh, short, short. So I'm just thankful hair can grow. Okay. So after the church camp, we all learned, must say one, two jokes, right? So now let me tell you another joke. Three men were asked about what they want people to, tell, to say about them when they die. So the first man said, I want them to say that I'm a good father. The second man said, I want them to say that I've been a kind man. And the third man said, I hope they say that he's moving, he's alive. <laughs> In many ways, we are not ready to die. Very often, we are not ready to say life flat, flat, cannot come back. Yet in one way, we have all died. We are dead to sin. In the passage that we read from Romans chapter 6, verses 1 to 14, we have died to sin, and therefore we should not live in it any longer. So the question in verse 1 that says, Since grace abound, then should we continue to sin? That is a no-brainer. Of course, we should not choose to stay in sin. Someone once asked me this question. Is it okay that in the daytime I sin, then every night I pray and confess to God my sins? After all, just now we also say, what, if we confess our sins, God is faithful and just, will forgive all our sins and cleanse us of, cleanse us of all our unrighteousness. So daytime I sin, nighttime I pray, can or not. I'm concerned as to why this question was even asked in the first place. Is it so that this person can have the permission to willfully sin and then choreograph an apology to God and expect to experience his grace and be forgiven? Is that the heart? And if that is, that is dangerous. Remember Acts 5, Sapphira and um, Ananias? They sold the plot of land, they brought the money to God, uh, to, to Peter, and then they said, yeah, 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 this is the amount of money we sold it for. And what did Peter tell them? You have not lied to men, but you have lied to God. God sees the heart. God knows the inmost thoughts in our hearts. Jeremiah, the passage, also tells us that it is the Lord of hosts who sees the heart and the mind. I'm doing my uh, personal devotion and happen to be reading Leviticus. Well, well, we all think it's uh, one of the most boring passages until you reach numbers, uh, all the names and the numbers. Even I'm this maths person also scared. But anyway, Leviticus is not too bad after all. And Leviticus um, 19 particularly, it has got this verse that keeps saying, this, this phrase that keeps saying, I am the Lord your God. After they give the command, da, 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 do not put a stone in front of a blind man, do not curse the, the deaf, I am the Lord your God. When you harvest, do not glean to the edges of the fields, leave some for the poor, I am the Lord your God. What is God? trying to say and trying to remind us that the things that we do, whether seen or unseen, is seen by God. And he sees 
the intents of our hearts. I am the Lord, your God. Therefore, this question of, can I sin, then I repent, shouldn't be asked. God extends grace to us and forgives us when we confess and repent of all our sins. Yes, but he is not an overindulgent God that covers his eyes and his ears to the wrong things that we have done. He doesn't say that all the bad things have been cleaned off and then pretend that that's it, no need to do anything. Think about it. Adam and Eve, they were chased out of Garden of Eden, but he sold them clothing of animal skin compared to their very airy, windy clothes, uh, clothes of leaves. God loves, but God also is just and holy. For all, for some of us who went to the, for, the, for those of us who went to the church camp, although I missed most of the teaching because of the children, but we know that Peter was not spared the brokenness. When Jesus reinstated him, there is pain, but there is hope. Three times when he reminded, when Jesus reminded, asked Peter, do you agape with you? Do you love me? And all Peter could say was, I feel you. Jesus didn't leave him there and permanently. Jesus enabled him to agape him to a, to a death on the cross upside down. Not by himself, but Jesus, the Holy Spirit, also enabled him. Sometimes, as parents, we are overindulgent. I mean, I'm, I only have one, ch one child and I indulge in her. When our children make mistakes, we make excuses for them. We shield them from consequences. And when their mistakes are being pointed out, we become defensive. And then we say, give them a chance. Lah. The thing is, that is not love and that is not grace. That is not how grace should work. Because we need to know this. While grace is free, it is not cheap. Grace is free. It is not cheap. Because Jesus paid for it with his life. And if grace is not cheap, then don't squander it. Treat it with respect and know what to do with it. Ask. Is our heart bent on pleasing God or satisfying our personal cravings? And if God calls us to be like Jesus, then there is a time for holiness and that's not for us to squander grace. We receive grace, yes. Don't squander it. Many people love to quote this. It goes something like this. God has forgiven our sins, our past, present and our future sins. They've all been forgiven. Our guilt has been removed and grace has been shown to us. And yes, indeed, the penalty of our sin, past, present, future, have been paid. But that is no license for us to sin even more. It does not, therefore, our sins do not get absolved without repentance. And we cannot be excused from the consequences that will follow. That is the relationship between sin and grace. Yes, true, grace does, is not wrought about by the work that we do, but grace is dependent on how much we are willing to surrender to God. 
Does that mean then we are free from the presence of sin? Well, no, at least not yet. Romans 6.6 6 tells us that sin still lurks. Yet again, Romans 6, 6 reminds us this thing, that there still exists a slavery to sin. So sin still lurks. Remember the last prayer that Jesus prayed before he was arrested. He prayed for the disciples, he prayed for the believers, and he prayed that God would protect us because he says, I am coming back to you, Father. But these people, they are still in the world, although they are not of the world. So we are in the world, and sin still lurks. Then you say, but haven't he won the victory at the cross? When Jesus died on the cross, didn't he win the victory? Yes, he has, but not us. We are still in the making. We hold on to that victory, the knowledge of that victory, and we continue to ask God and ask the Holy Spirit to change us. And we move on to him. At the cross, these two things were done. We have been moved from the domain of darkness into the kingdom of light. And God has broken sin's dominion through the flesh over us. We are, we are victorious with Christ there and not yet. Then what does that make us? Are we sinners? Are we saints? Then I need to let us know that we are saints who still sin. But there is hope. There is a God who forgives. Being a saint who is alive and free in Christ does not mean instant spiritual maturity or sinlessness for that matter. Being, being a saint in Christ provides the basis for hope and for future growth. As believers, we are not trying to become saints. We are saints who are becoming like Christ. Our end point is not that grace, will people will see our life and see grace. Our end point is that we become like Jesus. 2 Corinthians 5.17 tells us that we are in Christ, if we are in Christ, we are new creations. And if we are new creations in Christ, then have you wondered, then how come I still feel the same way and I still behave the same way? The reason is this, because everything that we learned before we knew Christ is still programmed in our memory. Bit by bit, we discard, the more we surrender to God, the more he can change it for us. We wish there was an instant delete button, press, then we are all new, afresh, new program, we wished, but that's not true. That's why we need to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. And this transformation doesn't just come like that delete button. It comes through a relationship with Christ. We have to believe that our new identity is in the life of Christ. And we must commit ourselves to grow accordingly. To have a new identity means that something old must die. Our old man has been crucified. And when I say old man, I don't mean the father. Lah. Okay. Our old man has died. Our old self has died. It has been nailed to the cross. Buried. And God has raised Jesus to new life. And we rise to him together, with him together to newness of life. So please don't go back to your burial ground and dig up your old self and carry it on your back and say, oh yeah, my sins are my sins. Don't do that anymore. 
Should the devil come and remind you of your past sins, then you remind the devil of his future destination. Jesus has won it. Satan is going down. That's for sure. When he comes to remind you of your sins, tell him, I've been set free. And that is the new, that is the victory. That, that's the power that we have. Not we have, but God has given us the power to overcome sin. And that's the good news. We need a new nature because something has died. Remember those days that we planted those seeds into the cotton wool and then we watch it grow? And when it grows, do we see more seeds coming up? No, right? You don't see seeds on top of one another. You don't, right? You see a seedling, right? Because that seed has died so that a seedling can come. Your old self has to die so that your new life can come. We need to bury our past with Jesus and not to resurrect it again. And God has given us this power not to imitate Jesus, but to become partakers of his nature so that we can actually be like him. We used to be enslaved to sin, but no longer. Because Christ has set us free from our old ways and we can live a different life, a different way. There is no one saved who isn't being called into transformation. When Jesus comes to eat with the sinners, he didn't say, I come because I want to show you I love you and include you. More than that, he has said, I come that you may be transformed into the likeness of Christ. Therefore, we cannot willfully say, I want to stay in sin and wish that we are in the kingdom of light. Light and darkness just cannot come together. Our sins and always have died with Christ on the cross and they are buried. Yay, hallelujah. So, Christ, God has risen, raised us up into newness of life with Christ. Romans 6.4 says, As Christ was raised, we too might walk in newness of life. And Paul says later in Romans 14 that the life we live, we live to God. How then should we live? The epistles is, are full of instructions on how to live with God and live with one another. So take your time and ask God to show you which parts of your life you may need change and allow him to change you to become more and more like Jesus. But at this juncture, I just want to share with you this poem by Portia Nelson. Chapter 1. I walk down the street. There is a deep hole in the sidewalk. I fall in. I am lost. I am hopeless. It isn't my fault. It takes forever to find a way out. Chapter 2. I walk down the same street. There is a deep hole in the sidewalk. I pretend I don't see it. I fall in again. I can't believe I'm in the same place. But it isn't my fault. It still takes a long time to get out. Chapter 3. I walk down the same street. There is a deep hole in the sidewalk. I see it there. I still fall in. It's a habit. But my eyes are open. I know where I am. It is my fault. I get out immediately. Chapter 4. I walk down the same street. There is a deep hole in the sidewalk. I walk around it. Chapter 5. I walk down another street. You can choose to go another way. Are there some always in your life, like skeletons in the closet? 
shameful things that you wouldn't want people to know about? Are there shameful things that you're trying to hide from people or from God? Past sins, bad habits, crutches, people that you hold on to, like friends whom you share your burden with, and at the end of it, it's still there. Addictions. Are there unfulfilled dreams and ambitions that are still holding on to you? Do you feel powerless to break free? Yes, sin is still present and appealing and powerful. But when you are tempted to sin, you can choose to say, I don't have to do that anymore because by the grace of God, I can live a righteous life. That is your choice. And that is the power that God has given us. That I can look at sin in the face and say, no, I don't have to go this way because God has raised me to newness of life. I just want to share with you a few shameful things that I have done. Shameful, uh, shameful and yet I dare to let it be aired and be heard because I have victory over it. My family will tell you that I'm quite addicted to my phone. Each time when I go home, I can always say that oh, I'm trying to relax, so I'm on my phone. I think Hock Chuan can't stand it. Yeah, okay. So what I do is I have two phones. This is my work phone. I try not to install games in it. I only have one game there, some boring game that just to entertain me a little bit when I'm stressed. I have another phone. That's my game phone. It doesn't have data. So can only play when there's Wi-Fi. No Wi-Fi also cannot play. So that's my game phone. But I play on it quite a lot. Okay. So that's my addiction. Tell you another thing. Some years back, I don't know how it happened, I stumbled upon this pornographic video clip. I watched it a second time. Curious, ma. I watched it a third time. Tempted, ma. The next day, I watched it again, day two, day three, day four, day five, day six. I watched it again and again. By day six, I knew that I was under the power of this pornographic video clip. Day seven, I sat at my bed. I waited for Hock Chan to come back. Hock Chan came back, and the first thing I did was to tell him what happened. I apologized to him, that's my husband. And then I said, you lay your hands on my head and you pray for me. He didn't call stone, fire, whatever. He didn't pray loud, loud or so. You know, Chan very gentle. He just prayed. I don't know what happened, but I believe in the spiritual realm, something broke. I went back to my phone. I cannot find the link in my phone again. I've been broken free. Today, if people come to me and say, Ayo, Kapun, you're not Paisei, this one in the YouTube leh, for life. Leh. Then I'm telling you, tell that to people. Tell that, that when we were in addiction before, that when we were in bondage before, Christ can set us free. Amen. Amen. That's why I can stand here and I can tell you, not that I, oh, thank you God for that, for that trial. But from that, I can tell you that Christ is real. His power is real. His victory is for us to claim. And that's wonderful. 
Therefore, what do I do with my game phone? When I've got a lot of serious things to do, I don't charge the phone. Ma. Don't charge, you cannot play. Lo. Can we walk out of it? Can we do something about it? Yes. Grace is not dependent on the works that we do. Grace is dependent on how much I surrender to Christ. I like this quotation. I don't know whether you all can see it. Found it on Facebook. You should dance with the skeletons in your closet. Learn their names so you can ask them to leave. Have coffee with your demons. Ask them important questions like, what keeps you here? Learn what doors they keep finding open and kick them out. When we sin, we are not, stayed, we are not stuck there forever. When God surfaces a sin toward to you, the Holy Spirit is telling you of something that you try to hide or you are not when you don't want to talk about. And when God surfaces that to you, then confess and pray and repent and watch how Jesus breaks that power over you. Are there skeletons in your closet that you feel powerless to break free? Then know this. Christ has taken your old self, nailed it to the cross, buried your past, the shameful, the sinful. He has no intention to remind you of it, nor to resurrect you from there. He wants to raise you up to new life. And, he has, and God has raised Christ from the dead, just as he has risen us from the dead, so that we can walk in newness of life. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for your grace in our lives. Teach us to understand that grace caused the life of your son. But teach us, Lord, to also live with the power that you have given to us. That while we do not pretend that sin is around, we are not going to pretend that we are buried there and cannot rise. You have given us new life. You have shown it in the resurrection of Jesus. And you have raised us up to newness of life. Thank you, God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.